We've seen slowly over the last few weeks, Le'Veon Bell, who started the season looking really indecisive and taking ages to pick his hole and get to the line. But I think we've seen him growing more and more and more and getting... <laughs> so I just love the term he's sitting there picking his hole. He might as well have been fucking yeah. doing that the way he was dancing behind linemen. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. We'll be taking a look at all the news from around the league this week, reviewing some of the games from last week, taking questions from you, the listeners, and then previewing our games for week four. So hey, we got Connor here and we got Harry. Hello. Unfortunately, Ronan is over interviewing for the GM position with the Mzungus, so he is stuck <laughs> in Washington, D.C. for the next two days. Uh, so it's just going to be the pair of us today. So Harry, how's tricks it yourself? Grand, grand, still very, very busy at work, but, um, you know, it's getting a little better. Get used to it after a while. I think mm. the, the madness kind of recedes into the background, so not as knackered as I was last week. So, yeah, it's grand, enjoying the enjoying the football anyway. It's nice to be into, into, the, into the swing of things there, and um, yeah. I wouldn't mind if the Patriots would stop giving me heart attacks. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We will indeed, we will indeed. No, it was, uh, it was a good weekend of games, actually. Uh, it was a lot more... Surprising than we expected. We thought a lot of these were one-sided picks. We did not get our picks last week uh, too accurate. Uh, you know, <laughs> got, a, got about 500, I think 7 and 9 for the most yeah. part. I think you're maybe 8 and 8 on that one. The, the hero, the two hero picks came through. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that worked out. But uh, yeah, not not great uh, for the results. Like It was just every single trap game turned out to be in week 2. Yeah, it was. Uh, apart from the, the Chiefs managed to stay victorious, which is good, because I was so sure that was going to be our trap game. There was a period of time where it looked like it might be. but Yeah, yeah. but uh, Awash was good. Uh, not too wild myself. Uh, got engaged, which was fun. So uh, that'll be that'll be a bit of crack. Sure, will have to sort out some more bits around that now. That'll become the, the new thing to talk about. Uh, or just not. Uh, huh. We'll have a look and see. So we've got a few bits of news to fly through this week but not as much as we have in previous weeks that's because the big news is something we discussed last week and so we'll have another look at it again so uh, Donald Trump has made a made a comment during the week about uh, wanting to have the NFL fire players who took a knee at the national anthem and in response pretty much most of the league has decided to start getting in on this uh, kind of socially active movement uh, most players either kneeling or if not kneeling linking arms and showing solidarity with them a couple of ones like the Steelers didn't even come out of the uh, locker or come out of the tunnel during it just to avoid it uh, so it's interesting it's escalated rather quickly hasn't it it has and I think that speaks to Donald Trump's uh, capacity to unite people against him mm. uh, that we've seen this happen and even the, the owners we saw getting in on the act um, uh, Dan Snyder Jerry Jones Shad Khan uh, mm-hmm. several of whom donated to Trump's campaign so yep. and all of whom won't hire Colin Kaepernick so you know hypocrisy whatever but you know mm. Better to be a hypocrite than to do nothing, I suppose, in, in, on that front. Yeah, you always um, have to let people occasionally change their minds on stuff. Yeah, there were a few weird bits and bobs going on, like with the Steelers. Uh, Villanueva, who was obviously a former member of the military, came out by himself, which was a little strange looking yeah. altogether, but people are going to do what they do. And Dallas kneeled before the anthem, then stood up for it. We also had two anthem singers uh, kneeling at the end of it, both in, in Detroit and in Tennessee, of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, I think captured the uh, feeling of what was going on in the in the, in the African American community. The concerning part was the booze, yeah, um, which were in I, sorry in New York, in New England, places you wouldn't necessarily even expect it. There was a, a couple of games in Washington as well mm-hmm. uh, where the players were booed taking a knee, which is a bit crazy, isn't it? Because like you're talking about respect for the flag and respect for the anthem, and you boo through the anthem. Yeah, it's uh, not exactly in keeping with the the ideology they're meant to be representing there. But um, 
No, it is, it is interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this continues because I presume now that this has started to be a stance that's being taken more widely, it's probably going to be something that's going to get more traction in the media again and it's going to force more questions around this, which is good in one respect for visibility of these issues, but it's also, like we said, a bit unusual that it seems to now be other people hopping in on top. And bizarrely, as, as was pointed out by a number of commentators, there's a question over the motivations of some of these people hopping in on top now that they didn't care when it was a social issue about the treatment of black people, but as soon as it might affect their bottom line as owners of NFL teams, they're immediately hopping on board and, uh, and not being happy with Donald Trump criticising them. Yeah, I think you do have to question the motives of the owners, quite rightly. On the other hand, again, it is better that they go along with the wave and try to ride mm-hmm. that rather than just sit there like some owners obviously didn't. Like Most of the owners ended up making statements, so someone like Jerry Richardson obviously didn't because he's Jerry Richardson. So. Yeah. But um, it's, it's definitely better that they get involved than not. I think that it's interesting because it's like at that point it's not so impact necessarily on their bottom line. It's it becomes personal. I think at that stage for the owners of being like it's not just here's what Donald Trump thinks or here's what Colin Kaepernick thinks. It's a very direct attack on the integrity of the owners, and it is a shame that it had to get to that mm-hmm. before they would do it. But it is still better that at least they're doing something rather than rather than nothing. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it is interesting, as you said, this is kind of developing now. It's our, it's just early in the week here. It's on Tuesday that we're recording this, so obviously some more stuff will be coming out. Uh, it says a lot when this is getting covered in all of the Irish newspapers and stuff as well here, which is, uh, like, the NFL is not really something that you get a huge amount of coverage of here, and there's several articles in pretty much every paper about it. So it's, uh, it's definitely getting a lot more international attention than it did previously, which uh, I suppose can only be good. Well, hopefully, hopefully something good comes of it. Yeah, of well, course. There's one other thing I want to mention, which is mm-hmm. an interesting sort of side note. When Trump started talking about this, did you, did you hear the comments he sort of used to lead in to his chat about why players should be fired? No, I well, didn't. chat, I mean rant. He basically talked about the game being too soft and oh, how yes. you're not allowed to like, smash people anymore. And I thought that just sort of tied into it in a really interesting way. Part of the problem that the players are having, and it's something guys like Doug Baldwin, Kaepernick himself, Richard Sherman, even Adrian Peterson have talked about, which is this... A holdover from slavery that affects African Americans in an awful lot of facets of life. And even though these people are, you know, very well paid athletes and millionaires, Mm -hmm. there's this sense of do they really own their own body? Do they really own what they're doing? Yeah. And not only do you have that in terms of this whole sit down, shut up, stick to sports reaction that we're seeing from people like Mm -hmm. Trump, but it's also interesting when they're like, we want you to go out and hurt each other. And I think that kind of just really exposes, I think, the underlying malice. Yeah. and disregard uh, that's felt towards a lot of these players by the fans because they just they exist for their entertainment and I think the two mm-hmm. are kind of interconnected and it's interesting that Donald Trump was sort of stupid enough to bring them up in the same breath yeah but it, it seems like that kind of like he's just trying to he's always just trying to kind of rile up crowds who have very specific types of opinions and that is the type of opinion that feeds directly into that mm. I think there are people who have legitimately interesting ideas about like are the new rules too soft are they changing the way the football is being played but then there's a very different generation that says these guys are snowflakes these guys are pussies these guys aren't taking hits like they used to they're not real men they're not real football players which is exactly the type of mindset that then also feeds into that kind of two-tier kind of system that sits within America which is a yeah, it's, 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 it's troublesome, but it's also, like you said, it's, it's very interesting to see that it's so blatantly there, uh, but it's not yeah. really been discussed all that much yet. So like I said, we'll, we'll almost certainly be talking about this more throughout the season, as I think this is going to continue onwards uh, for, for the next little while. We'll fly through uh, some bits of news from around the league, so it's not a wild pile this week. So in terms of trades, extensions, and all kind of stuff, uh, the only one really was Miami traded a fifth rounder for first round linebacker Stefan Anthony from New Orleans. Uh, this came obviously after the suspension of Lawrence Timmons, who we discussed on the podcast last week. We haven't gotten any more clarification on what was going on there, but this was obviously a decision that the coaching staff made to deal with this. 
Uh, I think this is interesting in two respects. One, this seems like if he makes a good fit there, it could be a very good pickup for a fifth rounder for a chance at a previous first round pick. But also, uh, what the fuck are New Orleans doing getting rid of defensive players? Like, don't they need all hands on deck? Yeah, well, Stefan Anthony is somebody who I think has struggled to live up to the potential that he slashed at times. New Orleans definitely need everything they can get defensively. The Sean Payton school of like not really thinking through the consequence of your actions and the whole way that team is run. I mean, look, how long have they been in cap hell for just mm-hmm. because they can't manage their contracts? It's nuts. It doesn't make a huge amount of sense, but I think their idea is, well, look, we're getting rid of a, a bit part guy who hasn't really lived up to his potential. Yeah. Fuck it, let's just try and get something next year because Drew Brees will definitely still be there next year. Yeah. Um, it could be it could be that New Orleans are looking ahead and saying, "Hey, this is going to have to be a rebuild after this year." And to be honest, start to stock stockpile some picks. It wouldn't it would not shock me. So we'll see how that goes. I don't think it's going to make a huge amount of difference. To be honest, I think mm-hmm. Anthony is a tremendous athlete and has flashed potential, but I don't know what's going to change with the coaching that's going to help him reach. Uh, the level he should be at, yeah. But uh, best of luck to him, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Like sometimes, just a just a new start, a new location can sometimes be a bit of a refresher for for some players' careers. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, another small bit of news: uh, the Chiefs have started to pick up uh, kickers, uh, as we'll get to in the injury section. Cairo is gone. No Santos. But yeah, so I think we've just picked up the kicker off the Carolina practice. Squad at the moment. Uh, I'm gonna. I think I'm not sure if we signed or just trying him out at the moment. This is kind of fresh news today, so uh, we'll we'll keep you updated as, as as that develops. So that brings us on to the injuries. Uh, there's one in particular that stands out as just a really horrible one. Uh, Darren Sproles, Philadelphia, managed to both break his arm and tear his ACL simultaneously. He has obviously gone for the season. This is a player who has discussed uh, previously uh, finishing up and retiring from the game. So this will end his season and quite possibly end his career I would imagine yeah you, you, you would imagine so the whole it was pretty severe so you would imagine a guy who was already saying this is going to be his last year would be it now that the chance there's a chance that it's like the sort of Steve Smith senior thing where it's like well this was going to be my year and final year now it's cut short I'm going to come back and have another final year mm-hmm. and have another go at it but I suppose that whether or not that happens is going to depend on how well the rehab goes for the ACL like Sproles is not a young man this his style of play does put an awful lot of strain on his knees because he's so agile and he's mm-hmm. so uh, able to move his weight and cut so quickly so I think whether or not this is the end we'll find out once he starts rehabbing that sees how that's going and then I, I imagine he'll make a decision if he does go it's, it's going to be a shame because Sproles was got like how many new Darren Sproles have we had in the last few years and mm-hmm. it's been like another match as good as Darren Sproles even at the age he's at even with all the uh, sort of wear and tear on him so he's just a tremendously exciting player, and uh, it's, a sh- it's he was go- he was going to be going anyway soon. But it's a shame mm-hmm. that it, if it ends this way, it's a real shame to see it end this way because he was you know he was just fun to watch and yeah. really talented. No, because he's got a he's very, he was very close to a nice big milestone as well. Because he came into the season on approximately about nineteen thousand yards all purpose. So this could have been in pushing over. I think he's like eighth or something at the moment, uh, all time. Mm-hmm. And that, but it was uh, it was one where because that includes return yards, which obviously is a is a big gainer for you versus just your receiving yards. But uh, this was the type of season where he could have quite easily, I'd imagine, put up a thousand yards between kick returns, bit of running back, and a bit of catching the ball as well. But uh, yeah, like we'll see. He might come back, but uh, normally, like an ACL and a broken arm this late in a career when your when your game is based off the way that his game is based off I'm not sure if we'll see it uh, the LA Chargers woes continue their cornerback Jason Verrett has done his knee and he's gone for the season as well uh, Jesus, it just doesn't really get any easier for them does it no that's the second one in a row I think that Verrett I think he did uh, I can't remember if it was his knee or something I think he missed, he missed all or most of last season yeah. if I'm remembering rightly uh, after he'd had basically a breakout year so that's a real mm-hmm. that's a real bummer for him and the team like 
Yeah. And it's a worry because that Chargers defense is looking pretty good. Um, they have a fantastic pair of, uh, of, of, of rushers there in Ingram and Bosa at the yeah. moment. And like that, if they compare that with a fully healthy kind of cornerback roster, it could have been a very, very strong defense. But oh well, sucks to be you, Chargers. Uh, there was uh, there was there was great. Uh, did you did you hear just about how badly the the stadium attendance went this? this oh, year? I saw even even on the clips on Red Zone, you could see just see of red. Yeah, the uh, the the attendance between uh, between Chiefs and Chargers was so far faded to the Chiefs side that the uh, the Chargers did not do introductions for any of their players oh coming God. onto the pitch because they didn't want them to be booed in their home stadium being introduced. That, th- this isn't this isn't going well, is it? This whole LA thing. Like, this no. is, is not going well did, at all. Did you see the rumours about uh, several high-ranking players of the NFL want them to go back? <laughs> they want them to abandon the plan and go back? Oh, my God, that'd be hilarious. Oh. San, City San Diego won't take them back. No, of course. they have to go to fucking San Antonio. Do you know who's got a stadium? Who? St. Louis. Oh yeah, Jesus, that'll be, uh, that'll be an St. interesting got a stadium. <laughs> so yeah, we can have the uh, the LA Rams and the St. Louis Chargers. Jesus. That would be uh, that would be something else now. Uh, and then the other major one we saw was uh, Brett Urban defensive end for Baltimore as a, a Liz Frank sprain. So that's a long term injury. This is the one that um, Peyton Manning had two or three years ago. No, wasn't I, it? I think Manning had plantar fascitis. Oh, so a similar you're right, foot injury, right. but yeah. Um, it, it, look, Baltimore's entire team is injured at this point, yeah. I think. Baltimore have more players on IR than the entire rest of their division. Oh, fucking <laughs> they, they are the LA Chargers of, uh, of the NFC North. North yeah. that, is, uh, that is unfortunate. And then obviously, Cairo uh, Santos has now been placed on IR as well. He had a groin injury as well as a uh, another smaller injury. So we haven't got clarification on what the entire thing is. The, it might be an extension of the groin injury or it might be that he injured his leg as well. I believe he took quite a hit. Uh, now, he did finish out the game, but uh, I'd imagine it might be a protective. It's not safe to have him coming back out onto the field for Rashford. So he's out for the season. Hooray. Uh, thank God we're not as reliant at the moment on field goals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, our third part of this and every week, crime and punishment. What are you going to do? Probably felonies. Uh, the Fifth Court of Appeals uh, started hearing the emergency motion on Ezekiel Elliott's injunction. That's going to start on the uh, 2nd of October. We will have updates whenever that comes through, but uh, I think we're still looking at the idea that this is likely going to roll on into next next year rather than be something that's enforced this year. Yep. Uh, he had a slightly better game this week than he had the previous ones, uh, kind of getting back into rhythm a little bit more. So we'll see how, uh, how, how, how this plays out. As I said, we're just going to keep updating until we kind of get some actual news on this. I mean, I mean you, you are saying got into rhythm a bit more. Like he was still under four yards per carry and it was the Arizona fucking Cardinals. Like, yeah. Let's not get overexcited yeah. here. But on the plus side, it was uh, more than less than one yard per carry, which he had the previous week. Oh, that is true. That yeah. is true. So at the current rate, he'll be running for, what, about eight and a half yards per carry next week? It's <laughs> uh, exponential, right? Yeah, it just keeps works. going. Um, and the other one is uh, free agent defensive lineman Rashad Hageman was suspended for six weeks for a domestic violence incident. This probably just locks in that he's not getting on any roster. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, as long as this one doesn't get dragged to court. Um, yeah, yeah Hageman was, uh, I think he was for the Falcons... Quite a highly touted defensive line prospect. Mm-hmm. Turns out he wasn't that good, and that turns out he's also an arsehole. So, oh well. In other news, we got a few bits. Uh, there's some developments on the CTE front. Uh, it came out that uh, Aaron Hernandez, speaking the, of arseholes, yeah, Aaron Hernandez, the ex-Patriot tight end who was involved in the murders of at least one, but probably more people, uh, and proceeded to kill himself in uh, prison later on, has 
been discovered that he had quite severe CTE. Uh, so whether that impacted on his decision making processes, how he thought, how, how he made so many terrible, terrible life decisions. Uh, so I don't think anyone was really going to be all that surprised by this. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's weird. There's been now, I mean, obviously, a lot of speculation about that. Um, like Hernandez has. See, this is a problem with something like CTE. You don't know at what point that really develops and starts manifesting. Because even yeah. through college and high school, uh, Hernandez was known as a trouble, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, and quite a, a violent individual, to, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So whether or not it's a combination of like his general disposition, Plus, um, the where he, mm-hmm. how he went through life, the sort of the choices he made and the people he associated with, and then you add that sort of into the mixture. Yeah. Maybe. Um, uh, there's also an awful lot of players with CTE who don't go out and commit crimes. So yeah. It's hard. It's hard to really draw a causal link, but it's certainly something that you have to think about. And being like, if you already have somebody who's involved in certain things, who is already predisposed to aggressive behaviour, as we know, if this could be an, an, an accelerating factor, uh, because we do know that, like, um, I can't remember his name. Uh, the the giant safety who killed himself. He's he quite young. Oh um, yes, yes. A while I... ago, um, I remember reading an article basically about his uh, from his family and his neighbours about his experience with CT, and they said that it changed him completely. Like after he retired from football, mm-hmm. he was prone to incredibly violent outbursts and he never sort of really hurt anybody but it was yeah. apparently very terrifying and in the end he ended up obviously hurting himself no, of course, yeah. um, so you do wonder if there's if there's a connection here and this is one of those things that I'm sure the NFL will do nothing about because mm. you know Aaron Hernandez but uh, it, it, something needs to change here in terms of CTE and it's just one thing after another at this mm-hmm. point really isn't it no of course like the, uh, the only major development we've seen this year is that these new helmets are in and a lot of uh, a lot of players are using them and we'll see if they're uh, more effective or not uh, other random bits of news last Thursday was the highest scoring uh, Thursday night football game of uh, all time it was a magnificent 90 pointer uh, between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams uh, it was 80 in fairness like oh 80 thing, sorry 80 uh, not 90 but oh well close up still still a uh, pretty high <laughs> game for what we thought was going to be complete dog shit yeah under, underrated narrative for the season uh, Rams defense not that good yeah it's a bit of a bit of a mad one and uh, the only other one because we're not going to discuss this game in our main section was uh, there's a very interesting occurrence at the tail end, at the tail end of the first half of the Steelers game uh, oh. in the Steelers Bears game where uh, a player uh, let's just say got a little bit cocky uh, so when running back a potential seven point score decided to slow down at the end and essentially showboat gets the ball tackled out of his hand then intentionally knocked out the back of the end zone so everyone thought it was going to be a safety but then because it was actually a defensive penalty uh, (laughs) the ball was placed at the one yard line and they were given an additional play uh, even though the clock was at zero now at this point the Steelers had already sent their entire team to the locker room. Uh, they set the ball. They waited to get the clock started. And as Steelers players ran down the field to get into position, uh, the Bears were, in theory, allowed to snap and go. Uh, now, they decided to go for a field goal. But I thought it was an interesting well, they, combination they, of rules. They jumped off. They false started. Yes. They oh, sorry. Yes, they false started. Like, it was... I, was I forgot that element. It was so bears like mm. it was just the, the most remarkable sequence of utter incompetence to be honest with you oh yeah um, I mean they netted a point out of it I suppose from the, the field goal rather than the um, safety, safety yeah. but yeah that was just bizarre I mean we do see this happen occasionally I mean Deshaun Jackson very famously mm-hmm. years and years ago mm-hmm. and there was um, a I think two years ago there was a spate of college co- uh, co- wide receivers who dropped the ball in the one yard line thinking they were already in and started yeah. celebrating I think you just get in and then celebrate I think it's a pretty yep. solid plan it's not that hard to do guys like if you're if you're there just keep going a little bit further 
Uh, but yeah, it was it was fantastic. If you want a good laugh, just go and watch that, uh, and then watch the Steelers players trying to run back out <laughs> onto the field from the far side of the field. Uh, it was excellent. So I suppose with that we'll move on to our game reviews from last week. So uh, first up in the Ring of Honor, we have uh, the Texans of the New England Patriots, thirty-three to thirty-six. This one went down to the last seconds in a surprisingly close game. Uh, Cooks toe taps a twenty-five-yard touchdown in the end zone with twenty-three seconds left to seal up the game. Brady was twenty-five to thirty-five for three hundred and seventy-eight yards and five touchdowns. God damn! Uh, I don't know what it is. I think it's just every time you play the Chiefs and lose to them, you then just go on a fucking run afterwards because he has been on fire the last two weeks. There was no real run game, but there was just very good pass production. And I would be slightly worried five sacks allowed, but the Texans do have kind of a good combination of uh, pass rushers and and force up that front seven. Uh, Watson, the rookie quarterback, actually had a pretty decent game, 22 of 33 for 301 yards, two touchdowns, but also two interceptions. This was helped by they had 125 yards in the ground. Uh, And like I said, very close close to an upset now this is a Bill Belichick team that has never lost at home to a rookie quarterback Watson really tried to push it to that Uh, I will say at the end of this game while you'll be happy on either side as a Pats fan you have to start asking a lot of questions about this Matt Patricia defense because I know you're missing Hightower but 470 yards from a team that's fronted by a rookie QB who's kind of like the team is a little bit of a laughing stock on offense you get two interceptions in this game and it's still this close and they're still winning with 30 seconds left in the game like are you starting to sweat yeah I think it's an element this is it's got so bad it's not so we miss Hightower there's now an element where it's like god if we had Shea McClellan back (laughs) things wouldn't be this bad like and that's like it's like Shea McClellan he can tackle occasionally it's fine he's better than Cassius Mark there's concerns uh, with the defense, which I think are, are obvious. Now, in fairness, Houston seemed to just nail it this game. Mm-hmm. But you have to worry, like, Gilmore and Butler are not playing at the level they should be. Indeed, Butler got himself technically actually benched uh, going into this game, uh, which is really concerning. So, And, and Gilmore's been fine, but he's, makes, he's been making mistakes, yeah. um, which have been really costly. Like, you shouldn't be being able to get beaten by, like, fucking Bruce Ellington down the middle on a seam route. Like, it... It's really bothering me that we're so dependent on one player, which has never been the case with these Bill Belichick teams, with these Matt Patricia defences. There's always been this sort of plug-and-play, switch it around, adapt it. And maybe it's something that will work out during the season, but it's mm-hmm. clear that without Hightower, this team went in with nothing. And the pass rush still isn't quite there. And by mm-hmm. isn't quite there, I mean is basically invisible for mm-hmm. large parts of the game. But you did get a bit of production last week out of that rookie. Uh, yeah, Dietrich Wise had a had a nice game last week. Like we do look like Trey Flowers, right? Had another okay game. He got a, I think six tackles and a sack, right? But yeah. there's still a real like lack of like somebody who can dominate and like makes teams respect them and double team mm-hmm. them and so on. But it's not just the defense. Like we saw in week one, Nate Solder get pulverized by D Ford, and we saw everyone on that Texans front seven destroying our our offensive tackles. Yeah, and it's really. Not good enough because like Brady, he can he can move around. Uh, you know, as you know, he's very got a very good sense of like when to climb the pocket and when to throw it mm-hmm. away and when to move. But if if you're not getting time for roots to develop, particularly when you're trying to come back into a game, mm-hmm. like then you're relying on Tom Brady to make these ridiculous fine margin throws that we know he can do, right? But it, even Tom Brady isn't going to get those every time. Like there's another game that happened in a parallel universe where um, you know Brandon Cooks couldn't quite corral that ball. Yeah, it, it, we're taking we're having to take so many risks because we mm. can't keep Brady clean against good defenses, and our defense can't deal with 
anything really on offense. And it's really concerning that, that something's wrong with the personnel, something's wrong with the way we're scheming. Oh, yeah. But like, even, even in this game with two minutes and a little bit of change left, like, there was a big third and one for the Texans on your 18. They had to settle for a field goal on. Like, if that's, if that's converted, then I, I don't think that. You, you get the time or the ability to come back into oh, it. Oh, yeah, if Houston go for that on, on fourth down, they, they win the game. Yeah, and like they they were getting the push up Bottom front that they, they probably should have, but uh, I, 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 I can get well, it. They were thinking maybe we've got this, our defense has looked excellent. I think that there's some that like, I don't think you can really ever give Tom Brady the, the ball back, ever, really. I yeah. mean, they, they were, <clears throat> the running game was not great, but you would have felt that with the way New England were playing, and bear in mind, like, that's actually another point that I'd forgotten. Another player New England are missing is, is, is Branch. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't have that big clogger up the middle now, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and Branch was never a world beater, but he was just very solid, very good at what he did, very reliable. Yeah. Even missing that, so it, yeah, you would feel that Houston could have could have given it a go with, with Foreman, who's big enough, or Lamar Miller, who's, who's not a small guy either. Yeah. And just tried to smash it. Or even Alfred Blue is fucking huge. Like. Or even you've got a relatively mobile quarterback behind there, run uh, like run a double sweep or something, and then just go for a QB sneak up the middle or. Yeah. Something, something just like, because it wasn't like, because even, even if you fail there, you are ahead at that point and you then have the ability to, even if you fail, you're ahead and you turn it over on their 18, which is good field position to try and have them fight back from, uh, like it's not, it's not the worst spot in the world. And I, like, I think on the balance of pros, I suppose this is why we're not head coaches. Yeah. Uh, this I, is why we play Madden. I, mean, I can understand, I can understand why they did it. It's like the element of, oh, you don't want to, um, you know, you want to go you don't up leave by points more, the board when you want to go up by more than a field goal, basically, yeah. rather than having New England only have to drive to the 25. Yeah, that's true. has been kicking this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's starting to look. This New England team is starting to remind me of 2011, mm-hmm. where New England were like good enough on offense to Tom Brady to drag the team to a Super Bowl, but just like start the Super Bowl with Julian Edelman playing cornerback. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's getting to that level of what the fuck is going mm. on. Like, but like moving on to Houston, like they had some positives in this. Their young quarterback looked pretty good, even though he made some mistakes. You're going to expect that against this type of team in this type of situation. Uh, like. It's a tough road ahead for them. They've got the the next two games of the Titans and the Chiefs, and then I think well they get the Browns in, but then they've got a like the Seahawks, who while not looking great of late, are a very good defense uh, and, and and should be interesting. Like it's a tough road, but they're only a game back in their division at this point, and they do have a very good defense. And if this rookie starts to grow a little bit more, could there be a road for them to push for this AFC South? Oh, definitely. It's the FC South. Everyone's got a road to push for it at this stage. Yeah. Uh, everyone, uh, maybe not Indianapolis. Yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe not. Everyone, oh, Jacoby Although they surprised us this week. Jacoby Brissett looked all right. Yeah, like, but again, just... beating Cleveland is, well, beat somebody who's not Cleveland, then come talk to me. Yeah, that's true, that's true. But yeah, this is a team, you know, this is, it's interesting. There's a lot of potential here, like, and it's mm-hmm. not just um, uh, Watson. We've also seen Donta Foreman starting to grow into it mm-hmm. in, in the last few weeks. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, even Bruce Ellington's been surprisingly decent, which is uh, he was never able to do in San Francisco. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of upside here. It's really going to be a really interesting team, I think, to follow mm-hmm. for the next few weeks. Yeah, because see, because like the the thing that we've always said that was holding them back the last year or two has been the inconsistency and outright terribleness at quarterback. And if they can get some production out of this rookie, then uh, then I think they've got a real shot. So we'll we'll, we'll watch them closely for the next better, few weeks. Better than Tom Savage, anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and, uh, nailed down. Next up, we'll move into the neutral zone where we have Atlanta at Detroit, uh, 30 to 26. Our last second review, marking Tate down at the one yard line, allowed Atlanta to sneak home with a road win here over a relatively strong looking Lions team. Now, I will say I wasn't mad impressed with either team in this 
game particularly. Matt Ryan threw three interceptions and was sacked twice. Uh, luckily, Freeman had over 100 yards on the ground and a touchdown, and Coleman had over 90 or had 90 yards from scrimmage. So that kind of helped cover up some of the deficiencies they were getting in the pass game, at least. Stafford was pedestrian at best. 55% completion, 264 yards and a touchdown. Uh like the only thing that kept this Lions team in the game was interceptions and mistakes by Matt Ryan, which realistically, I don't think you can count on all that often. Uh, like it's a sloppy performance from both teams. The Lions gave up ninety-eight yards on nine penalties, and the Falcons gave up sixty-eight on eight penalties. Like I don't know whether this was just that they were well matched and ready for each other, or they were just both really slow and lumpy out of the gate. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't think the Atlanta team is as good as we thought it was. I think that's become abundantly mm. clear, um, particularly the, so week one against the Bears and week two. It's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. and now week three, we're like, right. Like, and of course, leave it to Detroit to get like hosed by an obscure rule on the last yeah. play of the game. Like, oh my God, that team cannot catch a break. But it was a weird one. Like, Atlanta looked flat at times. The run game was very good. But um, other than Julio Jones, we weren't really getting that much out of the out of the passing attack. No. Um, like they had a couple of all, you know Taylor Gabriel trick plays mm-hmm. and stuff, but the rest of it was just dumped to the running back, and the, the, the guys weren't really able to to get it done. And I think this Lions defense is actually looking pretty decent. It wasn't like Matt Ryan threw up you know a bunch of Carson Palmer style ducks mm-hmm. waiting to be picked off. There were great plays made by the likes of Darius Slay and so on to yeah. actually to do it. Uh, but the Lions took like ages to wake up. Mm-hmm. Like Stafford did nothing until the third quarter, more or less, and I was like, "Oh yeah, shit, right, we're behind. Okay, cool, let's do this. Mm-hmm. This is what I do." Well, it's easy to bump up those fourth quarter <laughs> behind win stats. Yeah, know? I very nearly did it. Um, but I, I, I'm, yeah, it was a weird one because it was like it was a fun game to watch. Um, there were impressive aspects to both teams, but there was also just an awful lot of like it came in patches. There were patches of superb play from both teams, mm-hmm. and there were just then large periods of the game where they just sort of flailed at each other really and yeah. it's weird to know what to make of either team coming out of this you know yeah like because what I, I was looking at this and kind of thinking because I know that you're you're higher on the Lions than I am right but I get why they're being considered because they've, they've looked good in stretches and stuff like that but like to win in the NFC North like you got to be able to win games when you're plus three in takeaways like <laughs> you can't you can't fuck that up this team only wins when they're down by he down by seven points or less going into the fourth quarter. That's the only yeah. situation they win games in. Like, what? What do you think needs to change from 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 their approach? Like, is it is it was it just inconsistency or was there something systematic in how they were approaching the game? It's hard to say. Um, in terms of like systematic approaches, I don't know. Like, it's interesting. I, I would have thought we would have seen, seen a lot more from Theo Riddick because Atlanta tend to be quite vulnerable to the sort of underneath passes to yeah. the kind of swing pass to the halfbacks. And we saw a little bit from Riddick and uh, and Abdullah even actually coming out of the backfield and catching things, but it didn't really seem to factor into the, the main part of their game plan, which would surprise mm-hmm. me considering that we've seen Chicago do it to them in week one. We saw, obviously, New England in the Super Bowl. This is a vulnerability of the style of defense they play. It surprised me that it took, again, until very late in the game for Detroit to actually start trying to exploit that, which just seemed weird. And they were, again, like, oh, let's try and win these one-on-one matchups mm-hmm. on the outside, and it just wasn't quite working. So I don't know if, they, yeah, perhaps the game plan was wrong. Ultimately, it just seems like I don't know who, like, looking at this team is, other than Matt Stafford, who we know can pull magic out when it comes down to it, but it is still a little bit inconsistent. I don't know who the game winners on this team are. Like, Golden Tate is a fine possession receiver. Marvin Jones is also a fine possession receiver. Um, Kenny Galladay has shown potential but looks very raw. Amir Abdullah does not look like a top-tier running back, let's be brutally honest. Mm -hmm. Theo Riddick is a situational player. Eric Ebron has never lived up to his potential. Yeah. Who can I turn to on a critical third and long to win this game? Like, they don't have that kind of player. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, 
you've got in Atlanta, you have like Julio Jones, you've got AJ Green, you know, your Jordy Nelsons, even guys like Danny Amendola who do nothing and then come up with that yeah. critical catch and turn. I don't think there is a player like that on that Lions offense that will make them able to like confidently and comfortably win games. And yeah, they probably should have won this. They were very unlucky not to win this. Yeah. But my God, like they left it as usual until the last second. What is th- does this oh, team have? The last nine seconds. Well, yeah, it turns out. <laughs> um, but like, what, 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 what is, where, where does this team get? basically a, a Calvin Johnson guy who can actually make that difference. I don't know. And this is this is this is what my problem is like you're in this spot, you you're playing one of the top teams and you're able to have your defense come up big for you three times and you can't seal the fucking game. Like you're at home, your defense is doing the job for you and you're just doing nothing. Like you're near fifty percent completion at the quarterback position. That is just not where you want to be. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you entirely. Like, I just I don't see the spark, which is what I think we'll need to see them try and find. Maybe it could be Galladay. Maybe it could be, I don't know, someone else that they find. Maybe they pick someone up whenever they get released somewhere else or something. I don't know. But uh, maybe it's time to start looking at the uh, practice squads of other teams. <laughs> uh, fantastic. So we will move on now to the dumpster fire. We had one or two competitors for this one. Mm. But we decided we had to go for uh, Wake Up at Wembley. It is Jag versus the Ravens, uh, or sorry, Ravens at the Jags, technically, even though it's London, but, you know, they do seem I, to have I, that I think, I think crediting the Ravens for showing up for that game is pretty generous. Yeah, 7-44. <laughs> uh, uh, what can we say about this? Like, it was 44 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Flacco was 8 of 18 for 28 yards and two interceptions. This top receiver in this game was Nick Boyle, who caught two passes for 14 yards. I don't even know who Nick Boyle is. And, <laughs> and he has half the yards of Flacco. It's just like their fifth string tight end going into the mm, season, but the yeah. rest of them got hurt. So they have like this defense, which has looked incredible, and we're like, this is what's going to keep them in games. No sacks, no interceptions, and allowed 410 yards of offense from fucking Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles looked incredible in this game. 20 of 31, 244 yards, three touchdowns. Fuck's sake. Merce- four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. Four sorry, touchdowns. Sorry, uh, so I was looking ahead of my notes. Mercedes Lewis caught three touchdowns. A guy who was probably the last time you heard his name was when you drafted him in fantasy four years ago or something. Like... He doesn't even spell Mercedes right. It has an M A R. He's that's how he, since 2013 he scored three touchdowns going into that week, and then he's he doubled <laughs> yeah. his like total over the last three seasons in one game. Uh, this was this was a complete Fuck. trashing, um, like one that we were very much not expecting to happen. Uh, I suppose the obvious question is: it, Is this a travel thing? Like the Jags have done the London games a couple of times; they're used to it. They know how to adjust for it. The Ravens haven't. I've heard that uh, that Harbaugh's come out since they said like we're never going to go play in London again. That was shit. <laughs> Uh, like, is it a travel thing? Um, you know, it might be. Uh, apparently, Baltimore got there quite late and then didn't get to practice. Basically, didn't get to practice on the pitch, which they didn't really like. I think, and they did look very flat. They did look tired. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you can entirely blame it on that, but no. it, it doesn't like it may have had had a, a factor. Maybe they didn't bring the right type of toilet paper. Like I was just saying, yeah. they probably didn't ship their own toilet paper. <laughs> that over. was the problem. I mean, there's oh, jet lag, uncomfortable, whatever, playing badly. Then there's like, I mean, there's this. There's like they're yeah. shipping 44 unanswered points to the Jacksonville Jaguars and benching your starting quarterback. Not just Benji's starting quarterback. Benji's starting quarterback for Ryan fucking Mallet. Ryan Mallet, the only one who got fucking points on the board, though. Yeah, well, it turns out that Baltimore's like third stringers are better than Jacksonville's third stringers. So congratulations, Baltimore's third string. Yeah. Uh, Alex Collins, you've probably earned a job. But, <laughs> like, it, it was it was insane. They had, and, and to be fair, now, we, we shouldn't just blame Baltimore. I think some credit 
Uh, some credit yeah. deserves it deserves them. Like well, Bortles played out of his mind, and that Grant kid, the running back, mm-hmm. where did he come from? God knows. That was a little wrinkle that was thrown in there. Baltimore clearly weren't ready because they actually did an okay job defending Fournette. Like Fournette was held to. 59 yards and 17 carries, which is... is well, I think he's getting about four average on that, though. Yeah, but it's yeah, still, so, like, it's yeah. fine considering, considering where he's been. Like, that's not uh, a, a huge amount. But also, it's um, actually closer to closer to three, I think. Oh, fair Just enough. over three. The, part of that was because Blake Bortles threw the ball 31 times. Which mm. never happens. Yeah. Like, this is a team that's, that explicitly came out and was like, we're going to carry the ball until Leonard Fournette's legs fall off. Yeah. And then, after a while, they were just like, fuck it, Baltimore can't defend the pass. Let's do it. Yeah. It was just... Oh, it's just just a bizarre run of events. Was, like, they, they did it without any standout receiver. Like yeah. that's the weird thing. There's no receiver was over 100 yards. Mm. Uh, I think the top receiver was 65. It's Marquise Lee. Yeah. Like they spread the ball around. Baltimore just could not win any matchups in that. Like it was weird to watch. Mm. And I think the thing, like, like I said, I think we need to give a bit more credit to Jacksonville. Their defense stepped up. Their offense saw where they were getting a bit of traction, and they just decided to lean on that. Uh, unfortunately, where they were getting traction was everywhere on the field. But I'm looking at the Jags, and I know I said this in the preseason, like my surprise would be they'll do quite well, mm. right? I'm looking at their upcoming upcoming schedule, because they, they've now got two wins. I, I can see a very easy route to them getting to a 500 or above season here, because mm. upcoming games for them include the Jets, the Browns, the Cardinals, the 49ers, the Bengals, the Colts twice, and a Rams team that we don't have a clue about at the moment. Like, that is... What, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's eight winnable games, and they're already on two wins. I don't know. Like, they looked really good in week one, mm. but again, that was entirely on the defense. Yeah. They didn't look good in week two. At all. And then they looked phenomenal, but this is in a weird game. Yeah. And also, bear in mind, the Ravens are probably not their best player, Marshall Yanda, going into this as well. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you can still only beat what's in front of you, and if you want to beat what's in front of you, yeah. Yeah. Fucking run the score in the fourth quarter. That's Go for it. it. I was I was very disappointed that they didn't get to fifteen nil. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I was texting you at the time. Yeah. I was coming over to your house to watch a bit of it. It's just like, come on, lads, come on, fifteen nil, fifteen nil. Ryan Mallet's heroics uh, prevented that. But like, I I do think there there's some interesting things going on. Like we like I said we, like I said earlier, we saw some different stuff from Jacksonville that we haven't really seen before. And I think the other thing is, while I said nobody's over hundred yards, nobody really stood out. This team also had his best wide receiver. Bortles showed that he could hit a, a number of different targets. He wasn't entirely reliant on Alan Robinson, as we've seen in the past, and yeah. Robinson goes down. So, like, I think we'll see next week, basically, uh, in a very winnable game for them, how much this is, yep, Jacksonville are actually starting to figure things out a bit, and how much it was the Ravens were just that goddamn bad. Because I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. But, uh, you know... Out to somewhere in the middle. Exactly. They, but they have a winnable game, but they have a winnable game against the team that, as we saw... Still has a defense that can turn up when you're not expecting form, and it, like it was, they they hammered mm-hmm. the the Dolphins offense. So you it'll be it'll be a good test, I think, for this Jacksonville offense against the Jets in a game they should win. Mm-hmm. But let's see if Blake Bortles is able to have as good a performance there. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I suppose with that we'll swing on to some questions from the listeners. Okay, so this one comes in from Owen G, and he says, given the win this week, how long do we think until Trubisky starts? Has this bought them a bit more time? Uh, so I suppose, well, look, it was a bit of a surprise win. Uh, it was a good performance from Chicago. They also definitely, definitely won this before it got to, got to the spot that they actually won it. I didn't see the foot being out of bounds. I think they won this in regulation time. But hey, uh, that, that's aside from the point. Do we think that these types of results are going to buy them more time before they have to put the rookie in? It's an interesting one. I'm not sure. Like, Mike Glennon did not play well. So Glennon, 50-22 for 101 yards, right? That's not great. One touchdown, one interception. 
the entire wide receiving core, okay, this is the entire wide receiving core of the Chicago Bears in that game. Four targets, one reception, nine yards. Beautiful. Every wide receiver, like, that is, that is, <laughs> there aren't even words for that. No. Like, that's not a quarterback that's going to win you stuff. Like, no, it's we, not. Like, oh, Mike Glenn is a game manager, there's a game manager, and then there's this. How until Trubisky starts... I think the next bad performance, like it's going to be hard to say week on week, but like this is not. We saw Glenn Wright got himself a bit of rope with a, a really like tough performance in week one, stunk the place up in week two. Week three comes out, they win, but he plays badly. I think this is going to be a guy on a short leash, and we see if they drop a couple of games in a row, mm-hmm. or he puts up a couple of stinkers uh, in a row, regardless of results. This fan base is going to start like calling for Trubisky, and I think the coaching staff he'll probably get a little more time just because John Fox is inherently quite a conservative coach, right? Mm-hmm. But I think we'll see more pressure, particularly because it now looks like this team isn't a write-off. Like, we thought their defense was going to be okay. Their defense has been okay. Their, Jordan Howard has obviously had problems last week when he was injured, but had another fantastic, two fantastic games this season. Tarek Cohen has come out of nowhere and looks very, very promising. Yes, the wide receiving core is a hot mess, but they've also got a good pass catching tight end Zach Miller. And as we saw last season, even with Matt Barkley, there are guys on that receiving core, even if they've all got bricks for hands, who can make plays every now and again. Mm-hmm. I get that this season is lost. We don't want to endanger our young QB. I'm not so sure this would have to be a lost season. No, I don't without either. Trubisky. I think this could be a team that probably won't get to the playoffs, but could go somewhere. So yeah, I think Glennon's going to be on a pretty short leash going forward. And if they if they he plays badly another game or two, even mm-hmm. I think we're going to start seeing movement for Trubisky. Yeah, because like I was having a quick look at their schedule there. So they've got it's not really a great spot in the next two or three games to have the rookie come in. So like next week they're probably not going to make a swap for next week. So that's the Packers, which will be the softest of the defenses they'll face in the next bit. Because then they've got the Vikings, followed by the Ravens, followed by the... Then you get the Panthers, who we're still unsure of but looked okay. See, this is the point where I think you bring them in then. I think the week following that, they're playing the Saints. Mm. It's a good game to bring them to start with. It's a bye week after that to then get them further up to speed with the first string oh, offense. That's a home game as well, isn't it? Yeah, so it's Saints at Bears, then a bye week. And then now, then you're on the road to the Packers. But, you know, it's, it's one of those yeah. spots where... Like at the back end, they get enough of a of a nice run for it if he's in for the back end because then they have started December Forty ers next game the Bengals next one the Lions not great but then the one after that the Browns so you can get a nice bit of a run for the rookie at the back end there rather than having to throw him in because like look we saw a terrible performance out of this Baltimore team this week but that is a defense that's looked legit so far this season apart from <laughs> London <laughs> yeah uh, get the London look uh, it was not very good so uh, so I think he's going to last until the Saints game but uh, I can completely see what you mean by like they might think that there's value to bringing him in a little bit earlier uh, okay next question comes in from Joey P Joey P geez, he sounds like he's from Jersey Shore mm. um Joey says, who do we think is the front runner now or a quarter of the way through the season for the first overall pick and also for the MVP? There's a lot of teams out there who, like, bizarre, uh, I think based on just the current, like, level of performance, it's looking to me, like, and it pains me to say it, but Cleveland might be heading straight back down that, like, we saw them blow a very winnable game against Indianapolis there's a lot of things mm. that seem to go right one week and then just seem to go completely wrong the next week for mm. them they still don't really seem to know who their best receivers are they're running games all over the place Deshaun Kaiser has been made some, yeah he's made some brilliant plays and he's also just stuffed things up a lot so it could be this team is just going to sort of amble through transition um, I'll tell you there's a, there's an outside shout here right and you're, you're going to disagree with me and I would never have called this and my outside interesting shout is the LA Chargers 
Mm. Because they've got a pretty tough schedule. Yeah, they do. And they cannot stop getting out of their own way. No. And all the good players are starting to get hurt again. Yeah. So, and we saw, like, um, even uh, Gordon left the game injured as well, mm-hmm. as well as, uh, obviously, Verrett. So if that stacks up and they lose another couple of pieces on the offensive line, this could be a team looking at a 3-4 win season despite the level of the talent again. Oh, yeah. So that will be interesting to see how that happens. But I think right now the Browns... Could be the Browns, could be the Colts uh, as well. Like, we saw a decent performance out of them this week, but, like, God knows if that's a, can, something we can rely on or not. We've got, that, we've got a tiebreaker against the Browns now. That's the oh, yeah, I suppose. Uh, but I, I hadn't quite factored that. But the thing is, the Browns have an even easier schedule than them. So we'll have, a, we'll have a look and see. Uh, I, I think it's probably between those two. I do like your outside shot at the... I just, I look at that Chargers scene and I like, think that they're going to they're gonna accidentally win three or four games. Yeah. Which is, which is the thing. Jets, maybe... But, like, as we've seen, they do have skill if they can turn it on and just get lucky. Like, I don't know. Like, there was a, it was a pretty decent performance from them this week. So yeah. I could see them, again, accidentally winning three or four games. It might just be that they won that game. Say, so, oh, look, we're not tanking and then proceed to lose. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, so I think that's where we are on that. Uh, MVP, I suppose, obviously, Brady is sitting up the top of it at the moment. Uh, I don't know. Uh Sneaky little show for Kareem Hunt. Hunt's looking real nice if he could keep that pace up, but yeah. if he does, uh, he will break. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to, um, it's really hard to make an MVP call at this stage in the season, really. Yeah. I think Brady has been, but it's like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady, like, yeah, it's kind of. Yeah. I, no, here's one. Fucking Alex Smith, right? Mm, he's there been, you go. been looking very nice. Uh, he was, I think he was topping a couple of polls last week yeah. for that uh, spot. I found it a bit privileged. like, look, he's been playing well. He's going to win a lot of games, but I'm not sure if he's going to keep the like level of offense production yet. Yeah. He did. He did end a half this week in a perfect. Uh, I think he was four of four for two touchdowns and like. 38 yards. Yeah, yeah very. Like the, it's like the, the traditional Alex Smith stat line, except it's like four touchdowns instead of one. It's like, um, actually really interesting. I'm really, as a side note, because like, I actually think if, if, if the Chiefs keep doing what they're doing and people can't figure them out, Alex Smith actually bizarrely has legitimate MVP. Oh, yeah, he does. Like, if what, it, what I want to see is, this is interesting, because a lot of what the Chiefs are running, it reminds me of what we saw with the sort of you know San Francisco-Washington read option, then followed by the Chip Kelly. Things that worked really, really well and get figured out. And I'm wondering if it will take a full season for defenses mm-hmm. to figure out how to defend against all this multiple motion RPO kind of stuff yeah. they're doing because they're doing it a lot. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch, but it's also confusing. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that will be the narrative that will decide uh, that one. If they can keep mm-hmm. this, if they can keep producing at things at that level, then yeah, yeah, it'll be good. I've got one or two tough games going on. And we've and then we've got like I think we've got a nice period of three games in a row that I'm looking forward to getting to breathe a little bit during. But they're also one of the ones where we're going to fuck up and drop a game there. But uh, sure, look, it'll be fine. Uh, but thanks for the question. We'll come back to a few more because obviously Fitz isn't here, so we'll get his picks and uh, we'll, we'll fill you in next next week on that maybe. Uh, uh, or maybe maybe a little bit later on during the season when we have a better idea. We'll see. Yes, yeah, so we'll move on and have a look at our uh, picks for next week. So first up, we have uh, Chicago at Green Bay. Chicago coming off a surprise win. Green Bay looking pretty good. Uh, we've gone Green Bay across the board on this one. Uh, it has the potential to be either a terrible or a quite interesting game, depending on what Chicago turns up, right? Yeah, it's true. Um, obviously, Green Bay are missing a lot of pieces, particularly like the impact of losing Mike Daniels on the defensive line and uh, Randall Cobb. Uh, so we've seen sort of monitor their status. I don't know. I don't think I've been back for this game. Um, if Chicago can find a way to create mismatches with their running backs and with their tight ends, they have a chance to do it. But the problem is that the, really the weakness of this Green Bay team defensively is, is their cornerbacks, and I'm just not sure Chicago have the talent level at wide receiver or quarterback mm-hmm. to really exploit that. 
And I just think Aaron Rodgers is going to, as much as like Chicago, their defense looks decent, their front seven looks actively good. But I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to pick apart their uh, secondary. I think so as well, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we've all gone Green Bay there. Next up, we have New Orleans at Miami. I've gone Miami. Fitz has gone New Orleans and Harry's gone Miami. Do you want to do the Miami and then I'll try and get into my best fizzle headspace to work out the New Orleans yeah, pick? there's five fizzle hero picks this week. Cause yeah. I, think, I got my hero picks last week. You got some hero picks in week one and Fitz is like, right, all in. Yeah. Um, yeah, like this is a it's a weird spot because and this is it's hard to justify, right? Because Miami looked absolutely atrocious yeah. last week and New Orleans looked like decent against an admittedly mystifyingly poor Carolina team. Mm-hmm. Um but this is one of those gut picks where you're like, Yep, New Orleans coming off a win going into a team that just lost to possibly the worst team in the league, of course they're gonna lose. Yeah. This is the kind of game that New Orleans find a way to lose. And the other thing is is that the Jets have a good enough front seven to absolutely shut down JHI and that made the difference there because then they had to ask Jay Cutler to do everything which he couldn't do. New Orleans aren't gonna contain JHI. JHI is is gonna run free and I just think Miami are just gonna pound this one out basically. Yeah, no, I think they are. To look at Fitz's approach for, for New Orleans, that Miami team looked weak. Its defense looked very vulnerable. Like, Drew Brees is still an incredible asset on any offense. They have the ability to move the ball. They saw a bit more production from their run game. They still need to figure out what they're going to do in terms of, like, spreading the workload and just giving. But we saw them move to giving a lot more work towards Ingram and stuff this time around. So, that like, that will help them. But, like, it depends on what Miami front seven show up this time. Is it going to be the one that's going to stop them? Or is it going to be the one that's just going to go, ah, oh, fuck it, this is our week off? So like I don't know maybe it was uh, maybe it was a bit of a hangover from the from the stuff that was happening around the uh, storm two weeks ago when they missed their first game or what it was but like they looked flat last week and if New Orleans can come in and start to get rolling I don't think they have the ability to keep pace with them that's my that's my I best approximation of what I can imagine Fitz's rationale for for New Orleans is. Uh, Jay Cutler bad, brew breeze good, go football go. I mean, that's not wrong. Uh, Carolina at New England, we've got New England across the board. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious why this is Harry, yeah? Yeah, like, I mean, obviously New England looked vulnerable uh, several times this season, but the offense still has it, and Carolina's offense, like, you want to talk about teams misfiring? Carolina's offense has been putrid this year. Something is deeply, deeply wrong, and as weak as New England's defense is, I I just don't see Carolina going into Foxborough and winning this one. Also, if there's ever a team who knows how to deal with a scrappy white playmaker, it's uh, going to be the guys who have built their team around scrappy white playmakers. So, uh, sorry, Christian McCaffrey, you're not going to get shit done again this actually, week. Christian, this is a, if Hightower isn't bad, this is actually a really good game for Christian McCaffrey. Could be, yeah, but... Uh, and Cassius Marsh, like... Oh, wow. Yeah, that might not be a good matchup. Might be time to start playing him on the fans <laughs> of the team. Uh, Jacksonville at the New York Jets. We've gone Jacksonville across the board. Uh, are we just buying in too much on that uh, on that destruction in London? I think we just don't think the Jets can sustain it, right? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I think Jacksonville showed promise. It'll be interesting to see how they do it in this game, which is incredibly winnable for them. They should be able to shut down a very anemic New York Jets offense because their defense has looked good. But we'll see if it just continues to be good game, bad game, good game, bad game. Like, you know, that's fine. I'll get them to 500. Uh, so, yeah, we'll go Jacksonville across the board on that one. Tennessee, Houston, we've got a disagreement here. So we've got uh, Tennessee for me, Houston for Fitz, and Tennessee for Harry. Uh, I suppose... Uh, do you want to take the Fitz on this one? or will yeah, I take I'll, the I'll take the Fitz. Okay. You do Tennessee first, though. Okay. Uh, Tennessee have looked like... 
a lot closer to the team that we're expecting them to be. They started to run the ball a lot more last week. We saw DeMarco Murray actually come out and give us a good game. Uh, they're making use of their weapons a lot more. Marcus Mariota had a bounce back game in it. Their defense is looking a bit stronger, even though it's missing a few pieces. And this is a Houston team that has a good front seven, doesn't have a good offense. While they had an incredible game against New England last week, that looks like it was like like that strikes me as a one off. That's from the same coaching tree as their coaches from. They should be able to scheme well against it. Uh, and I just think it was just brain fired on the defence of New England rather than a glowing indictment of that Houston offence. Yeah, like... That was my fizzle intro. <laughs> Every piece of that. Uh, yeah. We, 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 we edited it out. Um, I, I actually don't know what I feel logic is in this because Tennessee are a better team. Talk. Is it because Tennessee beat Seattle and you think he's salty? Like, Yeah, I think like, it is. I think he's salty about it. I think there's an element of, like, look, that Tennessee offensive line in particular is prone to bouts of indiscipline. They are going up against one of the best pass rushes in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be issues there. They could, Tennessee also obviously run a very run-heavy offense and could have difficulty moving the ball against the front seven. Uh, particularly the, the mobile linebackers that they have yeah. in, in Houston, Tennessee are at ho- no Houston are at home. Um, I don't know. I, I think this is fizzle making a revenge pick. I don't really get this one. I suppose you're probably looking at like the thing that got the Tennessee offense going last week was being able to reestablish their run yep. game. And if Houston can shut that down, I don't know if they have the skill level to to force it on the outside to make them respect the uh, respect yeah. the pass enough to, to free up the run. The maybe. They have so many. There's so many ways of running the ball that it's going to be. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I, sorry, I don't mean to jump on but this is his one pick that I, I really don't get. Now, Houston will probably win now. Oh, of course that, they but, will. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, that, that, that's it. I just uh, think this is a bad matchup for Houston, to be honest. With you. Yeah, it could be. I uh, mean, a great matchup for Houston, and they're going to avenge the Seahawks by <laughs> destroying the Tennessee Titans. Of course. Uh, next up, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Uh, I've gone Pittsburgh. Fitz is on his own again with Baltimore, and you've gone Pittsburgh. Harry, give us Pittsburgh. Why? Pittsburgh should be able to beat Baltimore. Pittsburgh have played within themselves a little bit at times this season, and by within themselves a little bit, I mean they just lost the fucking Chicago Bears. There's chemistry issues between um, Roethlisberger and pretty much every receiver except Antonio Brown is having problems getting Mm -hmm. on the same page at the moment, but Joe Flacco looks worse. Both these defenses are good. Baltimore probably has a slight edge on defense, but this is the kind of game that I think is going to actually start kicking that Pittsburgh offense in particular into gear. I don't see this Baltimore Ravens offense, which has not looked good at at all through three games this season, has looked appalling and has got away with it by being against Cleveland and Cincinnati who are both all over the place at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think this is the kind of game going into Baltimore where Pittsburgh are going to put up a hell of a fight and I think we're going to see a bit more variety. I think we've seen slowly over the last few weeks Le'Veon Bell who started the season looking really indecisive and taking ages to pick his hole and get to the line but I think we've seen him growing more and more and more and getting... <laughs> So I just love the term he's sitting there picking his hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, he might as well have been well fucking yeah. doing that the way he was dancing behind linemen. We've seen him get a bit more decisive as the games have gone on. So this, mm-hmm. I think, is kind of going to be the point where Pittsburgh are going to realise that they can't keep playing like this this season. Mm-hmm. They have too much talent to do it and they just have too much talent on offence for Baltimore to keep up. Yeah. Uh, right. Baltimore, very good coaching staff. Looked like an excellent defence. Would expect them to be able to play back up to the level. Uh, I'll put off that, that London game as an aberration rather than uh, uh, anything that's informative uh, this is Pittsburgh on the road they're not very good on the road they tend to, to have brain farts when they do that it's an in-division game it's going to be hard it's going to be physical this is a team that's built for that uh, the one issue and I'm, I'm agreeing with you entirely on this is I just don't know if I trust this Baltimore offense but what I do trust is this, this Baltimore defense and if they can get the pressure on Big Ben has a tendency on the road to throw a pick and if he starts to throw a pick he can quite easily lose a run of himself and uh, and have one they need to be able to force up front they need to make make sure that Suggs is just hammering Bell into the ground every time he's, he's doing it if they can shut that down and get the pressure that they want uh, I could see them being able to do this defensively and this being a low scoring game that Baltimore come out on top of so 
Well, uh, <laughs> Cincinnati at Cleveland. Fitz, for fuck's sake, would you were screw with us a little bit? I've gone Cincinnati. Fitz has gone Cleveland. You've gone uh, Cincinnati. So uh, I'll go Cincinnati. Rationale is they look better last week. The new offensive coordinators in there. Uh, Joe Mixon's getting used a little bit more. They're going to get a little bit more going. And realistically, Cleveland have looked like they're regressing all the way back to the first overall pick. Yeah, but counterpoint. You said Cincinnati looked good. Did they? Like, they ran Green Bay close, but they actually weren't very... Like, Andy Dalton was accurate. They were clean, which is probably going to be enough to beat the Browns. Yeah. The running game was still really, really mediocre. Yeah. Uh, other than A.J. Green, nobody in that receiving core turned up. I, it, was, it was a really, like, positive result for Cincinnati that was really unconvincing and also a total defensive collapse at the end of the game. Yeah, where they just got out comprehensively in, in, in the, second, the second half like out schemed mm-hmm. by the Green Bay Packers who are not known for being like a good scheming team they're known mm-hmm. for a team that's like my oh, fucking Aaron Rodgers will take care of it whereas Cleveland like you know we saw a bit more fight from them against the Indianapolis the game actually ended up very very close at the end and to be honest were it not for a few like boneheaded mistakes would have won that game like they would have won that game but for sloppiness like but for those three turnovers if they can eliminate that if they can get Kaiser playing cleaner football panicking less realizing that he is behind a good o-line he doesn't need to force it he doesn't need to make decisions and hugh jackson right this is the other critical thing is a the kind of guy who can coach that but b god damn it he knows what's coming from that cincinnati team mm-hmm. and the final thing that i think well, the fizzle things tilt might tilt this towards cleveland is that if you are cleveland cincinnati have been awful they're coming into your house your season is going to be terrible you can win this yeah and we've seen cleveland get up for these divisional games before mm-hmm. in the past at home where they've otherwise had terrible seasons and been like, no, fuck you, Andy Dalton, you're having a 2.0 pass rating today. Yeah. That's something that I think we could see happen, particularly with Hugh Jackson at the helm. I will say my one counterpoint to that is the Cleveland <laughs> Cle- Cleveland nearly beat the Colts, Cincinnati nearly beat the fucking Green Bay Packers. There is a world of difference there. I never said I believed any of this. <laughs> All I'm saying is Duke Johnson hype. Yeah, oh, Duke Johnson hype. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> next up, Detroit at Minnesota. Uh, me and Harry have gone Detroit, and Harry and Fitz has gone Minnesota. Uh, do you want to give us why you're going for Detroit? Yeah, uh, look, I think Detroit were unlucky not to beat one of the best teams in the league. Mm-hmm. They've looked defensively very, very solid this season, which has been a really pleasant surprise. Offensively, they're still the Detroit Lions, but when it pushes come to shove, Matt Stafford has been able to put it together, mm-hmm. and they should be 3-0. They're 2-1. They've looked surprisingly, surprisingly decent. And the other thing is, is that this Minnesota team, Case Keenum had a great game. I don't think, Case Keenum going to have two good games in a row. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm not convinced that this is, that was any more than a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. This Detroit defense is good. I think they're going to give them trouble. I don't think this is the kind of defense that is going to allow Stephon Diggs to go off for 178 yards and two touchdowns with Case Keenum thrown to him. Like Darius Slay is going to be all over him all game. Mm-hmm. I just think that defensively Detroit have enough and on the offense, when it comes down to it, this is probably going to be a fairly ugly, fairly close game. Yeah. Detroit are going to uh, be four points down, minute 35 to go, get the ball in the fourth quarter, and they're going to win. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Well, Minnesota have a very, very good defense. They started to get production out of that offense last week, which I think surprised us all. We're not guaranteed that Case Keenum's going to be the starter. We might have, uh, might have the actual starter instead. They've got the kind of defense that can go in and try and shut down a lot of the run game options. As we said, I'm not sure who we're going to have as like, who's the big receiver that you're going to trust in those spots for for Detroit. And and the main thing is, is I can imagine Minnesota winning this, uh, but not being ahead in the fourth 
fourth quarter until the very end, mm-hmm. which is exactly where you want to be against a Detroit team because <laughs> they can't win unless that's the case. So they'll just wait until the end and then they'll score. Strong defense, decent performance out of the offense, actually good performance out of the offense last week. But like you said, I don't necessarily trust it. We might have the actual quarterback back in here, but even if we don't, we've seen that this one can, in the right scenarios, put up points and hopefully this will be the one. They're at home. It's an in-division game. It's important. I can see them being up to win this one. I just point out that I'm not convinced about Sam Bradford either yet. But no, no, I'm not. LA Rams at the Dallas Cowboys. We've taken Dallas across the board. Yeah, do you want to tell us why? Um, what the fuck are the Rams right now? Like, I mean... Really don't know. I, we don't know. This is going to be... I'm going to start picking the Rams 7-9 bullshit again if they continue this yeah. playing like this this season. Like, Dallas won a game against Arizona where they did not play well. Yeah. But they played smart. I and was, they played efficiently. I was tempted to pick the Rams because they're just like, I'm just not convinced at the moment on this Dallas team I, either. You know what I think the problem with Dallas is right now? Is that the, the, the other line's taking a bit of a step back, yes. Des Bryant. Yeah, he's not really playing very Des well. Des Bryant is struggling out there and, and they're struggling to adapt and not, because they, they, let's face it, they don't have a, like they've got a couple of promising young receivers but they mm-hmm. don't really have anyone to step into that role. Yeah. But I think what we've seen is that this is a team that when they are underplaying, as long as they're not getting blown out, is still like, Jason Garrett is, is not a elite coach, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. He's smart. He, he's seen it all. He knows what he's doing. And we've seen this team. We saw it against Arizona. Go into a game, play badly, but at the same time play smart enough football and efficient enough football mm-hmm. to comfortably avoid being upset. That's and I think they'll be able to do the same thing against the Rams team that is, like we said last week, just doesn't know what it is. It still has no identity. Mm-hmm. And looks like Wade Phillips is going to take more... Isn't just going to go in and wave a wand and fix that defense. Yeah. It looks like this is going to be a work in progress now. Yeah. Um, we'll see how it looks. So, I, think, I think this will be an interesting one just to see what the defense looks like against this Dallas team. Just because at the moment, I'm not sure about their ability to stop the run. Yep. So this could be... Like, I think that's the most important matchup in this one is how that front seven looks against the run. Uh, Buffalo at Atlanta. We've all taken Atlanta. Uh, pretty obvious why. Atlanta are at home. They're a very good team. Buffalo are a good team, but they don't have enough to be able to cover all the offense that Atlanta can bring. And Atlanta's defense will be able to, I think, handle this Buffalo defense. Uh, not to not to underplay them, they will do okay. They should put up a great performance on the weekend. But I think Atlanta will just outbustle them the whole way through. Uh, Philadelphia at the LA Chargers. We've gone fully across the board. Yep, we have. See everything we said about the LA Chargers so far on this podcast. Yeah. Um, Philly looked great for a while against the Giants, then went to sleep for a quarter and then mm-hmm. turned it back on and were able to win. Uh, the Chargers look, again, can't stop getting out of their own way, can't stop getting themselves, like, getting themselves into tight situations. They're not finishing drives, they're not scoring yeah. points, they they can't make it happen. Rivers is... Now, this was a, wasn't really flagged that much last season. Philip Rivers was a fucking turnover machine. Yeah. And it looks like he's, try, again, this season trying to do too much. He's got good receivers. He doesn't really seem to trust them or he trusts them too much, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going in now without their second-best cornerback. Their status of their running back is questionable. Yeah. I just think Philly are right now just look the more comfortable team and should be able to get a win uh, in front of what will be, I'm sure, a fanatically Eagles crowd on the other side of the country because this is a, this is the one thing I'm wondering like, like this might be their best chance at the moment to get like a half decent home crowd because of the distance Philly fans would have to travel for it but uh, they might still go down for the crack yeah. uh, San Fran at Arizona oh god uh, the death of football San Francisco across the board why because Arizona are dog shit San Francisco are dog shit but San Francisco have a little bit more quality left uh, <laughs> oh god it's like, not a group state of affairs yeah yeah uh, I think is yeah. This is just this is just going to be terrible. I imagine we're not going to talk about this game at all. I don't know. It might make the dumpster fire like mighty, or or it could end up like Thursday night football and be like a fucking ninety pointer, eighty pointer, just yeah, barn burner. It could. You know, it's about halfway between Phoenix and uh, San Francisco. What Death Valley? 
Oh, very good. Appropriate, right? Yeah. Where all their dreams are. <laughs> uh, New York Giants at Tampa Bay. We've gone Tampa Bay across the board. Uh, Harry? Yeah, uh, so Tampa Bay have looked not particularly convincing this season. James Winston's trying to do too much. Because uh, Rodgers is fine, but can't get it done against like elite, well, mm. Minnesota. The Giants have had two good drives this year, mm-hmm. basically. Um, they are a bad team. Yeah. Um, the key question, of course, really for Tampa Bay, and we've seen the differences, Tampa Bay with Quan Alexander versus Tampa Bay without Quan Alexander, and whether or not, like, Gerald McCoy came back into the game, so he'll probably be okay to start. If they have those two guys fit and ready to go, they yeah. should win this fairly comfortably. Even if they don't, it's not going to matter because New York can't run the ball. So That's true. I think we'll see probably some more ridiculous plays from Shepard, Nodal, Beckham Jr., but I'm... I'm, I'm the rest of that New York team is just brutal right now. Yeah. Eli Manning is a bad quarterback. Like he is no longer a top-tier quarterback. Eli Manning has been bad and will continue to be yeah. bad. He's been in the climb for a while. Like This year, like I honestly, I'm looking at it going, <clears throat> can these guys not pick up someone else who would be able... And I honestly think they probably could pick up someone else who would do a better job with that offense at the moment. This game could end up being an extremely dumb shootout with like six picks. It could indeed, like, yeah. it, it, it really could. Like Both of these quarterbacks are sloppy as hell. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, that's that's almost certainly what will happen, which would be uh, gas. Uh, next up, Oakland at Denver. Oh, Ooh. I'm on my own on this one. Uh, I've gone Denver, and Fitz and Harry have gone for Oakland. Uh, so why Oakland? Uh, because Oakland used up all of their shit play this week. <laughs> and will this be double good against the Broncos? No, look, I, I, Oakland, I don't, I don't know what happened this week. They just looked like they didn't bother mm-hmm. practicing for this game. They're going to be up for this one. We know that like Oakland's offense, when it's working, is one of the best in the league. Denver's defense is very good, but if your defense isn't good enough to get you past the Bills, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be against an Oakland team that's better. Yes, it's in Denver, but Oakland, you know, Oakland are used to playing there. It's not like it's a mm-hmm. one-off trip like some of these teams make once every four years. And I just honestly think that, they, that there's too much talent on this offense to lose. The defense still has its issues, but basically the margin between their offense and Denver's offense I think is greater than the margin between the two defenses mm. and I think Oakland should be able to take this fairly comfortably unless they come out with no game plan like they did last week fair enough uh, I just think Denver's defense looks very strong they're playing at home uh, Oakland like I think one of the factors as to why they were so sluggish like that to travel all the way across the country now they're traveling all the way back to play away from home again uh, In and I know they play there often but it's still it's a difficult place to go and play in uh, I think Denver's style of offense suits well for because this this is an Oakland defense that I think people massively overrate at the moment. I think they have Mac is incredible. They've got one or two good pieces, but this is a Denver team that knows the limitations of its of its quarterback and are very much get the ball out quick, get the ball handed off, not have him being hit. Kind of covers up for the for the offensive line issues. I think that will work against this Oakland defense. I think this is an in-division game and these two teams know that at the moment they are in a dogfight for who's going to get to like probably going to get two teams out of this division. Probably not going to get three because everyone has to play each other. So these games are incredibly important. And I imagine coming off the loss to the Bills, Denver are going to be up and ready for this. And they're at home. And it's I just it just has that feel to me. This is going to be one where Oakland mess up. Everyone's going to get worried about them. And then they're going to go on a run. And they'll be fine afterwards. Uh, Indianapolis at Seattle. We've gone Seattle across the board. Yeah. Indianapolis are dog shit. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, look, look. They're... Well, Seattle barely beat the Niners, so I mean, let's... Yeah, like, Seattle are not good either, uh, but this is a team that they should beat. They're at home. Like, their strength is defense. Indianapolis' weakness is... Everything. Other teams having a defense. So, like, I can just see this going badly. I really want to see the Seattle team look better 
I've said this before the season, I'm not convinced that this is a great team. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm really worried about what this offense is looking like. This is a team that you should be able to run against. You should be able to pass against. You should be able to run your fucking offense against without really much hassle. If this isn't a get-right game for Seattle, I don't know what they're going to do at the end of the season. Yeah, pretty much. And then uh, we've got our Monday Night Football. Uh, Washington traveling down to Kansas City. We've got Kansas City across the board. Woot, woot. Um... Yeah, Kansas City looking real good. Washington look good in the game against the other but now they're travelling to the other side of the country. I think our defence matches well with what their offence does. I think our offence matches well with what their defence does. Uh, I think this should be fun. I think this should be loud. I think this should be good crack. And I think I might take a little bit of time off on Tuesday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wise. Yeah. Can't disagree with any of what you said there. But no, uh, it should be good fun. So that's, I suppose we'll wrap us up for this week. So uh, any other crack of yourself? Any plans for the rest of the few days? No, uh, nothing, nothing really planned to be honest with you. Um, but uh, no, nothing, nothing on this week. Oh, fair um, enough. Should be all right. Like, I'm sure, we'll watch football on Sunday. That's it. Yeah, I've got a going to do a play on Thursday. Playboys. Nice. It's a reimagining of the Playboy of the Western World. Uh, should be good crack uh, for the Dublin Theatre Festival. On. Then the folks are coming down on the weekend to do all the congratulations and all that. Ah, of shout. course, yeah. So, uh, so that should be good fun. Very good. Yeah. No, I, I, I just too much work on. Like, I can't, I can't mm. do anything nice. Uh, flat to the map myself at the moment but uh, should hopefully be be cleared very quickly yeah Uh, so that should be good fun but I suppose uh, we will give you an update next week then on how Fitz's interview went and whether he's going to be staying over there to take over the the Washington Mazungus I think his uh, his predilection for drinking might be an issue yeah it might be it might be now we'll see Uh, but hey hey anyone can do it anyone could become a GM like that's easy yeah, basically. <laughs> let's sorry, be sorry, honest, sorry, let me clarify. Like, right. Anyone could be the GM of the Mazungas. Yeah. That's oh, fucking. No, I mean, do you remember, oh, like, fucking Brian Gregson? Uh, what was that guy? One, one of the many Lombardies, the shit one in Cleveland. Yeah. Like, John Lynch. Like, yeah. Michael Lombardi, was it? Mike Lombardi, yeah. that's right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there have been some fucking awful GMs oh, yeah. around the league. I'm sure, Chip Kelly was the GM. Oh, <laughs> Technically, it was his fault. Yeah, uh, I, I reckon I could do it. Like, how hard can it be? Mm, Not Rivals.com, look at one star <laughs> rating. <laughs> that's it. How do you get all this sweet information? Don't tell them about PFF. Yeah. Uh, but no, that was... Uh, PFF isn't much use for the college. Again. No, that's not. But uh, so look, that's great. So uh, we will keep it, keep your questions coming into us on Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we had a lot of fun chatting to some of you on the, on the comments last week over this uh, over our last episode. Some of you is, be totes racist. Please don't be racist. Yeah, uh... <clears throat> Have a think. Cop onto yourself. Yeah. Think Just before you type. Yeah. So uh, for now, I suppose that's bye for myself, bye from Harry. Fuck off, racist. Uh, bye from Ronan. Bye. We've been all four quarters. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Grand. Right.